Welcome to Furry Explained. I'm Finn, a big black cat from the internet, and Furry Explained is my show about furries and their culture. Now, before we dive too deep into anything today, let's take a little bit of a step back and look at why furries and the furry fandom exists in the first place. In business, this is sometimes referred to as taking a view from 30,000 feet, referring to the cruising altitude of most commercial airplanes and how, if you look outside your window at that altitude, you can get a very wide perspective of the land below you. And if we take that metaphor and apply it to the furry fandom, you can see that the whole idea of being interested in anthro-animals is influenced by many different factors. And probably the largest category of those influences of the fandom is in the form of entertainment media. Media relating to entertainment takes many forms that we are already familiar with. Whether it be movies, television shows, music, writing, even audio shows like this one, things that we consume for our entertainment include many examples where anthropomorphic animals have been the subject of the messages that those mediums try to get across to us. And this is something that we've briefly explored before. We've talked about the prevalence of anthro characters in movies, TV shows, and the like, and how it confirms the idea that even non-furries like to entertain the idea of animals acting more human. But despite that wide variety, there's one medium of entertainment that is especially influential to the furry fandom as a whole. That medium being video games. Yes, video games, that form of entertainment conducted by playing a game on a screen of some sort that many of us are familiar with and have been for some time now. Some of us may have fond, distant, or not-so-distant memories of our time as a kid, where we played a variety of different video games by ourselves or with friends, either online or locally, depending on what era of gaming we're talking about here. And I'm sure many of us still continue to game today, either casually or competitively, and may have invested a serious amount of time and money into making that experience as enjoyable as possible. Either way, we're all familiar with video games, but we're not really here to talk about gaming as an activity. What I think is more interesting to explore is how video games are not only another example of where anthro characters are often present, but how, due to the way that video games are constructed, how those characters are particularly influential to the furry fandom. So in this episode, we're going to talk about furry video games. We'll go over the differences between actual furry video games and just games with anthro characters in them, and then we'll dive deeper into why video games are just a little bit more special than entertainment mediums like movies and TV shows when it comes to their overall influence of members of the furry fandom. Welcome to Furry Explained, and we'll get started right here. So as usual, before we get into the details of why furry video games are especially influential, let's first go over what exactly a furry video game is, which, surprise, is actually a lot more complicated than you might expect. Most, if not everyone listening to this, knows what a video game is, which at its very core is a game that is played on an electronic device with input from external hardware that results in some kind of visual feedback on a screen. Most video games, or games in general, have a different set of characters that you can interact with in some way. 
These characters may be based off of real people or real things. For example, sports simulation games have characters based off of the real people that play that respective sport. Some characters may be fictional, but are designed in such a way to resemble real people that may or may not exist. Others may be based on characters that exist in other forms of media, like games that are based off existing movies or TV shows. And in many cases, the characters in games are completely fictional and not meant to have any real-world resemblance to try to relate to. But in many video games, there are also characters that happen to look like or represent some kind of anthropomorphic animal. Some are more obvious than not, but I'm sure there's a video game that you've played or are familiar with that has characters that look like something that would attribute to the furry fandom. Now this is all well and good, but one of the more tricky things about discussing anthro animals and video games is trying to find out where the line is drawn between a game that is actively being targeted to a furry audience and a game that just so happens to have characters that look like humanoid versions of animals. There are definitely video games in both of these categories, although many games that may be targeted to those in the fandom won't explicitly say that anywhere publicly facing for a variety of different reasons. But after doing some research on this idea, there seems to be about three different groups that pretty much all video games fall under in regards to their relationship with the furry fandom. The first one is the most popular and probably the most obvious one, games that just so happen to have anthro characters in them. These are video games that have no direct relationship to the furry fandom other than having a character or characters that resemble human-like animals. These games are not targeted for the fandom specifically, in fact they are typically targeted to as broad of an audience as possible. What may happen is a specific anthro-esque character may be extracted out of its video game context and spun into being something related to furry, but the actual metaphorical work to do that type of context layering is done on the fandom side alone. I think a good example of a game in this group is The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, a game that honestly will never die. Hey, you. You're finally awake. You were trying to cross the border, right? Of the characters that you can play and interact with, there is a specific character race called a Khajiit, which are a race of cat-like creatures known for their stealth and natural agility, much like the actual cats they represent. But other than that, they are just one of the many characters that a player of Skyrim can interact with, and doesn't define the game in such a way that makes it related to the furry fandom. In fact, it's one of the few characters in the game that is more animal than human in its entirety, unless, of course, you count the dragons. Khajiit as wares, if you have coin. The second group of games regarding their relationship to the furry fandom is a little bit of an interesting one as it's the group in between games that are not specifically designed for furries and games that actually are. I like to call them furry-adjacent games, since it's relatively easy to attribute the game to things that the furry fandom likes, but is not explicitly advertised for the fandom itself. There are actually a number of good examples that fit into this category, but I think a really good one that is relatively relevant is Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing, the social simulation video game series from Nintendo that released its latest iteration, New Horizons, about a year ago, exclusively features a variety of characters that are anthropomorphic animals, 
And while there is technically no defined objectives of the game itself, the overall idea is to basically help maintain a village that is populated with a bunch of different anthro animals with different personalities and goals for themselves. Now I would consider this game furry adjacent for a couple of reasons. One, like we just mentioned, a vast majority of the characters you interact with while playing the game are anthropomorphic animals, but they're not just dumb NPCs. Many of the interactions that you have with those characters are similar to those that you would have with other humans, which goes all the way back to one of the central themes of furry itself, animals not only looking like, but acting like people as well. But it doesn't dive too far into this niche to be considered a game just for furries. That idea is abstracted away enough that anyone can enjoy their time caring for their village and maybe finish paying off that loan that they were given by a certain tanuki early on. And finally, the last category of games that may be related to the furry fandom are actual furry games. These are games that may be entirely targeted towards members of the furry fandom, or are so closely related to topics that furries enjoy that they might as well be. Due to this more niche of a categorization, the pool of games that fall into this section are a lot smaller, but one that I'm willing to argue for its inclusion in this section is a game called Winds of Change. Winds of Change, not to be confused with another game called Change, which ironically you can make an argument that that game also belongs into this category, is a 2D, half-visual novel, half-point-and-click adventure game set in a fantasy world with an art style that is, dare I say, unapologetically furry. While it does have a specific storyline to follow, all the characters that you interact with are anthropomorphic animals, drawn in such a way that they're as close as you can get to the more popularized design of what, quote, furries look like. In fact, this point is further proven in the reviews of this game, which are all very high, by the way, where there are multiple instances of people going out of their way to recommend this game to people outside of the furry fandom as they also came to the understanding that, while it's never explicitly said anywhere, this game was designed directly with furries in mind. Furries and video games do happen to have a lot of crossover, with just as much if not more than their movies and TV show counterparts. From games that may have one or two anthropomorphic animal characters, to games specifically created with furries in mind, there are a number of different examples of ways that video games have left an impression on the fandom, and have had a major role in development of the characters that many of the fandom's members have today. But it's pretty easy to understand the what part of furry video games, that's pretty straightforward. Where things get interesting is going to be in the details of how video games have influenced furries and the fandom as a whole. And we'll get into exactly that right after the break. So yes, it is true. Video games definitely have characters that furries may be interested in, with some having more than others. In fact, if you're just joining us, there's the recap of the first half of this episode right there. But that doesn't really answer the question of why video games are especially important and influential to the fandom, in some ways more than other forms of entertainment like stories or movies or TV shows. In essence, the reasoning behind this idea can be split into two parts, 
one more having to do with how video games work, and one more related to how furries work, if that makes sense. It's just, let me explain. Video games have a chance to be a lot more impactful than a movie or a piece of writing for a number of different reasons. Primarily, in a majority of cases with video games, you control the story. Games give the opportunity to make certain decisions and experience the consequences of your actions. Whereas with something like a story, the decisions have already been predetermined and you're just coming along for the ride. This can make video games a lot more personal to the individual playing them. They have a lot more direct control of the story that plays out in front of them, whether that be an actual story like a role-playing game or a more metaphorical story like in a competitive game where the story in this case is someone winning or losing the objective of the game. Building on top of this idea, because the players are responsible for the story in most video games, there are a number of skills that players implicitly need and work on in order to craft the game to a conclusion that they would be satisfied with. There have been a number of different studies on this idea, but it has been proven that playing video games inspires creativity and helps with things like storytelling. These skills are creative in nature and can easily translate to enhancing the experience that someone may have in such a creative environment as the furry fandom. Also, video games are one of the primary ways that many of us engage with the idea of escapism. We've all been there. Getting engrossed into a good game makes us feel like we are transported into that world, and all of our real-world worries and issues are put on hold for a bit, while we engage with the land of fantasy created by the game that we are playing. Now, I don't want to go on the record and suggest that too much escapism is healthy, but when done in moderation, it can be a great way to de-stress and enjoy a fantastical life in a reality that's a little bit different than the one that we wake up to. Now, those are all more examples of the pros of video games in general, which can be applied to anywhere, not just the furry fandom specifically. Where things do get interesting is when you start to make the connections to how video games can enhance the experience of being a furry overall. I say this because if you really think about it, the interactions of anthropomorphic animals in video game settings can give us a really good, educated guess of how a world would actually work with furry-like creatures. Now, I get that this is not exclusive to just video games. Basically, any form of art depicting furries can be considered an artistic hypothesis of how the idea of furry can be translated into something that we can see. But art in and of itself is static, a depiction of something that is frozen in time. Video games, in contrast, are a lot more dynamic, where we get to see how the idea of furry unfolds in real time and in a continuous fashion. Now, there's definitely upsides and downsides to both. Because of art's more static nature, there's literally no rules on how an artist may perceive and hence depict an imaginative anthro-animal in a given space. On the flip side, because of the dynamic nature of video games, at least some agreed-upon laws of how the world works from a physical standpoint have to be applied for the character in that game for it to all make sense. And even if those rules are bent in some way, they are bending from a foundation of physics, reality, or whatever you want to call it that comes from real human life. 
And if you ask me personally, I think that's what makes furries in video games so fascinating. Because it's more customary to follow established physical rules of reality in a video game, games that have anthro animals in them are the closest that we can get to seeing what a true furry-filled reality would look like, especially ones that includes the player playing the game, adding their input and influence to that world that otherwise can't be replicated in something like a movie. Due to this idea from a furry's perspective, it can be a lot easier to relate to and draw inspiration from a character from a video game that also happens to be an anthropomorphic animal. I hate proving my own point with my own example, but my first unofficial character I made when I became a furry was based on a Khajiit, those anthro cats that I talked about earlier. That character doesn't really exist anymore though and was more me beta testing how I would represent myself as an anthropomorphic character, but hey, it works to help get the point across. Everyone knows about furry art, furry characters in movies and TV shows, and stories featuring anthropomorphic animal protagonists. But furry video games have their own special place in the fandom. Instead of someone else dictating the action, these games give furries one of the closest peeks they can get into how the idea of anthropomorphic animals existing would work in a semi-realistic environment. The dynamic nature of games give us continuous feedback on the boundaries of how anthros would work in a real world, and can also serve as a source of inspiration for some of the furry characters that members of the fandom create. This can all also be done while enjoying the benefits that playing video games provide to us in general. And it's not like furries are starved for choice here. There are a bunch of games that are out there that have elements that furries would enjoy. And there seems to be a rise of games particularly targeted for members of the fandom as well. I definitely see it as a growth market with more games well on their way. All of this is to say that video games can be an excellent way to implicitly or explicitly enhance someone's experience in the furry fandom. If you haven't yet, give one a try, or take this opportunity to check out a new game to explore that may have some sort of furry twist on it. I'm sure you'll discover a new adventure that you'll enjoy in the land of furry video games. that concludes this episode of furry explain thank you so much for tuning in and listening i really hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned something new today as always if you want to continue the conversation about furry video games or have any other feedback for the show you can find and follow me on twitter i'm at finn the panther and a link to my twitter is down in the show notes along with some other resources that you should definitely check out if you like the show and want to support it, the best way to do that is to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, make sure to give the show a rating and a review as well. You can also tell people about the show, and if they don't know where to start looking, you can point them to our little corner of the internet, furry-explained.com. Seriously though, we are already so close to a thousand downloads this month, and I believe we can hit it in the next week or so, and that would be an awesome milestone to celebrate with all of you. Anyways, thank you so much for doing all of that, and we'll be back next week for another episode of Furry Explain. But until then, stay wild out there.
peace. So the inspiration for episodes of this show come from a variety of different places, but the inspiration for this show came a couple weeks ago when I was looking through my Steam library and I found a game that I used to play all the time called Gigantic. If you don't know what Gigantic is, it was a game that combined a third-person shooter with an MMO, with a focus on team-based action combat and heroes battling alongside a massive guardian that you had against the other team. It was a really fun game, but unfortunately it doesn't exist anymore as the indie developers couldn't find funding to keep the servers up, but it was honestly one of the most fun games I've ever had the pleasure of playing, mainly because it was definitely in that furry adjacent category. A vast majority of the playable characters were anthro animals and the art style was super cute and honestly it was just a fun, really good game to play. But with that in mind, I haven't really played a game that, quote, furry since, and I want to sort of follow my own advice a bit and pick up a new game for the summer. Did I miss the hype train on Animal Crossing, or is that still worth picking up? Is it worth waiting for Monster Hunter Rise to drop on PC, or is the Switch version just fine? I don't know, I'll pick one up eventually, and if you have any suggestions, please let me know. I'm also open to playing with some of you listening as well, so keep that in mind when offering me some of your options. Anyways, it's really good to be back, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.